Welcome to the Chasing Dramas podcast. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. We are back with our discussion of episode 56 of Hou Gong Chen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Chasing Dramas, for fun updates throughout the week. There's a poll on our website, ChasingDramas.com, for those of you interested in helping us decide our next drama to discuss. And in case you missed it, Karen posted in the blog section a review of the new drama, Jing Xiu Nanggu, The Song of Glory, that is currently airing and stars Li Qin and Qin Hao. Let us know if you prefer such reviews in podcast form. We're looking to do more of these types of reviews, even though the meat of our podcast will still be in-depth analysis on the dramas. Now, let's get back to our show. After 10 long episodes of being away from the palace, Jin Huan has finally made it back. She now has a new identity, a new son, a new palace, but it's the same old game. She'll have to fight and scheme for everything to survive in the palace. Instead of being a Han woman, the emperor proclaimed her a member of the powerful Nyohulu Manchu clan. She has a son, the fourth prince, and a new palace, Yongshougong. Jin Huan is currently pregnant with the 17th prince's child, but she has successfully tricked the emperor into thinking that the child is his in order to return to the palace. For this episode, I'm going to be honest, I feel like I will just be fawning away at this new Jin Huan. I don't know about you, but normally after the death of Hua Fei, I skip episodes 43 onwards and come straight to this episode. Jin Huan is back, baby, and she is back to mess things up in the palace. Before she was just Jin Huan, she was on the defensive. But now she is Nyohuru Jinghuan and is on the offensive. Her clothes, makeup, and hairstyle in these few episodes are also my favorite. The actress for Jinghuan, Sun Li, does such an exquisite job portraying the difference in moods this time Jinghuan is back in the palace. Her heart is dead to the man she is now with. She recognizes how cold and calculating this palace is and takes that all in stride. She does not expect there to be anything other than deception or manipulation. Her bright red lipstick and heavy smoky eye help convey that, but goddamn, does she look amazing. <laughs> As Jin Huan is walking through the entrance to meet with the members of the Imperial Harem that have come to welcome her, she holds her head up high. A stark contrast to many of the flashback scenes we see of her when she first entered the palace. Back then, she generally had her head down and was submissive. This time, Jin Huan, or rather Nyohulu Jin Huan, as she is now a Manchu woman, has put away all of those fears and is ready to use her powers of seduction, her wiles, to protect herself and be on the offensive. The Emperor's Edict states that Jin Huan left the palace after giving birth to the fourth prince and has now returned. This is a complete lie, but he's the emperor, he can do what he wants. And also for um, 
the drama purpose, we need the timeline to sort of match. <laughs> there are plenty of old faces to greet Jin Huan at the entrance and several new faces, all donning their formal court attire. Probably only Hui Pin or Shen Mei Zhuang, Jin Huan's childhood best friend, and Jing Fei, the adoptive mother of Jin Huan's daughter, are genuinely glad to see her. The Empress lies through her teeth to declare that she was ecstatic at Jin Huan's return. The former friend of Jin Huan, An Lingrong, also speaks, singing praises of Jin Huan's return and of her new palace, even though she caused Jin Huan's miscarriage. Speaking of the new palace, the Emperor swiftly takes Jin Huan to see her new home, Yongshou Gong. It is a big upgrade from her old palace, Sui Yuxian. It is grand and stately. It is the closest palace to his own office of Yangxing Dian, or his own private quarters. There's even ice and a nice fan to keep the palace cool. Remember when we first uh, started with the drama? Huafei was the one who had all of these comforts. But now, Jin Huan, with the rank of consort, also gets to enjoy this. What extravagance! But we're eight minutes in to returning back to the palace and Jin Huan is already sniffing out hidden threats. She says to the emperor that the palace is too opulent. She cannot live there. She knows that there will be negative gossip throughout court for living in such an extravagant palace, especially for a woman who was banished. The emperor waves her concerns away, saying that he and the empress added many of the decorations, so no one will say anything. Jin Huan next immediately hones in on the fragrance that's wafting throughout her palace. We all know by now that fragrances are one of the most dangerous substances in the palace. Jin Huan saw what it did to Huafei in earlier episodes and asks what type of fragrance this is. As she suspected, the emperor tells her that An Lingrong was the one to create this special Li Zhang Zhongxiang. It's a fragrance with a special name. Difficult to translate. <laughs> Remember, An Lingzhong created a special cream for Jin Huan previously that was supposed to prevent scarring. While the cream did just that, she also added powerful doses of musk or shexiang into that cream, which heavily contributed to Jin Huan's miscarriage from her first pregnancy. This scheme was masked by various other scents An Lingrong included in the cream, so Jin Huan knows how dangerous An Lingrong actually is. The emperor, though, leaves after settling Jin Huan in none the wiser of the threats potentially posed against Jin Huan, but Jin Huan promptly gets her bearings. She asks her faithful eunuch, Xiao Yunzi, who's been tasked with serving her again, how the palace has been. He explains that the court ministers heavily disapproved of renovating this palace, Yongshou Gong, saying all sorts of horrible things. Jin Huan understands that Huang Hou, the empress, purposefully added many expensive decorations to her palace in order to fuel the flames of discontent from these court officials while also playing the part of the good wife to the emperor. 
Zhen Huan then asks for the doctor Wen Shichu to come examine this suspicious fragrance. See, after years in the palace, Zhen Huan knows the tricks of the game and sets up the necessary precautions. Once again, how wonderful is it to have Wen Shichu on your side? He is the MVP. He tells her there's nothing harmful like Xiang or musk in the fragrance that could impact her pregnancy, but warns her not to have any Yi Lanhua, or the direct translation is a Kananga plant around. The fragrance and this plant combined will create an aphrodisiac. Odd, but nothing too problematic for now. Still very useful information. At this point, like I said, Wen Shichu is one of the most valuable people you can have on your side. With that settled, the next person to see is Zhen Huan's new son, the fourth prince. How great is it that they are now mother and son? In this drama, the fourth prince's birth mother was a lowly maid that the emperor spent a drunken night with. The emperor was reprimanded by his father, and thus that disdain extended to his son. The emperor is reminded of that drunken night while he was still a prince, and the reprimand by his father, so he doesn't really like to see his son, this fourth prince, around at all. We all recall that the fourth prince first met Jin Huan several years back, way back in episode 12, at the summer palace as a young boy. She was the only one who showed him any kindness towards him, while most other women ignored him. Over the years, the fourth prince has not forgotten Jin Huan, and this is crucial to both of their fortunes in the future. And now, on to meeting public enemy number one, Huang Hou, the Empress. The next day, Jin Quan changed out of her more formal attire and into her consort garb. Her hairstyle, instead of using a qi tou, is now using dianzi. This is my all-time favorite look of hers. The design is exquisite and pairs very well with her lipstick. We'll discuss what dianzi is at the end of the episode. After the show aired, many people were inquiring about what this hair decoration or hairstyle was. The two, Huang Hou and Jin Huan, share some pleasantries before the formal morning greeting with the rest of the harem in order to keep up appearances. Jin Huan gives Huang Hou, the empress, Buddhist beads, which could be nothing or could be a hint that um, the empress should do more good. She also helps replace the flowers in the Empress's hair, a custom called Zanhua. This seems innocuous enough, but I have a feeling that the Empress did this or made Jin Huan do this to establish dominance over Jin Huan. She's trying to say, regardless of her favoritism, Jin Huan still has to serve her, the Empress, and place flowers in her hair, not the other way around. All of this is, you know, Nothing too um, controversial. The real attack from the Empress comes when the other ladies arrive for the formal greeting or Qing An. The first thing that the Empress says is that she asks Qing Fei to bring Princess Longyue to see her birth mother and that after Jin Huan gives birth, Qing Fei should return the princess to her birth mother. For those of you that need a refresher, 
Jingfei has raised Princess Longyue since birth at Zhen Huan's request as Zhen Huan left the palace. Zhen Huan has never met her daughter and misses her greatly. Even though Jingfei and Longyue are not blood related, there still also has to be a strong bond between the two. I mean, Jingfei did raise Longyue from birth. The Empress knows that taking Longyue away will cause some drama between Jingfei and Jinhuan, which is exactly what she wants. It's sneaky but effective, again showing the masterful uh, manipulation techniques of the Empress. Just with one sentence, she is able to create some type of uh, discord between these two good friends. I also want to take a moment to speak about who is now at the court greetings. We're back, but it's such a different feeling. Huafei and her posse are now gone. In this scene, we see Duanfei, who seems to have made a full recovery from her previous illnesses, Jingfei, the two ladies who support the Empress, An Lingrong and Qi Ping, and one new concubine. I think it's Kang Changzai. Not sure where Shen Meizhuang, Xin Guiren, and the other new concubine, Jin Pin, are, but oh well. My point is, there's been quite the change in membership at this morning court greeting. Later that day, Shen Meizhuang, Jin Huan's best friend, stops by for a visit. The two friends are happy to be able to see each other again. This type of friendship is so rare and refreshing in the palace. Here, they discuss how the Imperial Astronomers halted Jinhuan's progress back into the palace. Jinhuan responds by saying that they need to have their own people in that office from now on. Shen Meizhuang suggests a suitable alternative, and with that, they are expanding their influence within the palace. They now know that they have to do this to survive. The next visitors to come see Jinhuan cause a rather heartbreaking scene. Jingfei brings Longyue, Jinhuan's daughter, to come see her birth mother and drop her off. Jinhuan is incredibly emotional at seeing her beautiful daughter, who is supposed to be three years old, but here, I think she looks more like five or six. <laughs> Understandably though, Longyue is confused as to whom this new woman is and why everyone is telling her to call this new woman her mother. She has a loving mother, Jingfei. Tears and confusion ensue as Longyue refuses to hug Jinhuan. Jingfei is also struggling with the idea of giving away her daughter, even though she knows her daughter's birth mother has returned. Fortunately, Jinhuan understands that her sudden return causes too much of a change for her daughter and requests that Jingfei continue to look after Longyue at least until she gives birth. This calms everyone down. Deep down though, Jinhuan knows who is the real culprit of this disastrous reunion. In this instance, it is not the Empress. It is the Emperor, Huang Sheng. He refused to let anyone speak about Longyue's birth mother, thus causing this confusion. Jinhuan views Huang Sheng as the root cause of her pain today, adding fuel to her hatred of him. As a distraction from this chaos, Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan go visit the Empress Dowager, Tai Ho. This is a fantastic scene as you see that Tai Ho is testing Jin Huan. Every word coming out of Tai Ho's mouth 
has veiled meanings and, or actually not so veiled meanings, and Jin Huan just has to roll with the punches. Luckily, our girl Jin Huan is adept enough to take the hits. Right off the bat, Jin Huan kneels in a formal greeting to Tai Ho. Tai Ho does not allow her to get up, as is customary. Normally, when somebody kneels, you're just like, okay, please get up. Instead, Tai Ho starts questioning Jin Huan. This is a power play right here. She is reminding Jin Huan of who wields the most power in the Imperial Harem. Jin Huan may be the Emperor's favorite, but she still has to bow down to the Empress Dowager. Now let's analyze this entire conversation. I think it's fantastic. The first question from Tai Ho as Jin Huan is kneeling is, are you comfortable living in Yongshougong? Jin Huan responds, Yongshougong is overly extravagant. I am very uncomfortable living there. Fortunately, that is the correct answer. You can see the slight nod of approval by Tai Ho. Tai Ho would have been very displeased if Jin Huan said she enjoyed living in Yongshougong because it would mean she's greedy and enjoys wealth. Plus, Tai Ho knows how opulent Yongshougong must be. Next, Tai Ho just ignores Jin Huan while she's kneeling and turns to Shen Meizhuang, who is feeding her medicine, and they have a short conversation about how bitter this medicine is. All the while, the pregnant Jin Huan is patiently kneeling on the floor. My view here is that Tai Ho is testing Jin Huan's patience. Fortunately, Jin Huan doesn't complain. So, Tai Ho asks Jin Huan to finally get up and serve her as she is rinsing her mouth. Jin Huan does so dutifully. All the while, you see Tai Ho is evaluating Jin Huan's every move. She praises Jin Huan's abilities to serve other people. No wonder why the emperor always missed her. Tai Ho says that Jin Huan must have learned how to seduce the emperor for her to return. Jin Huan immediately kneels back down again and says that with the emperor's visit, she's actually in panic. Tai Ho is skeptical. Jin Huan is pregnant and has the attention of the emperor. How can she be panicked? Tai Ho here is assessing Jin Huan's attitude and motives in coming back. She's trying to understand if Jin Huan purposefully orchestrated a meeting with the emperor in order to regain favor. I love this. Tai Ho is one smart cookie. She knows all the tricks in the imperial harem to get the attention of the emperor and doesn't want drama-prone people to return to the palace. To Jin Huan's credit, she does really well here under so much pressure. I definitely would have caved. Of course, she orchestrated the meeting with the emperor, but only half lies as to how she and the emperor met. Jin Huan says that her meeting with the emperor wasn't a chance encounter. She explains that she was in poor condition after giving birth to her daughter and had to move to another mountain peak for health reasons. When the emperor saw that she was not at Gan Lu Si or the temple, he went to go visit her. This explanation appeases Tai Ho because it shows to her that Jin Huan wasn't trying to 
quote-unquote accidentally meet the emperor for any reason, like in the streets. The next question is the real question Tai Ho has for Jen Huan. She says, You were so adamant in leaving when you did, even leaving your newborn child. How is it that you were willing to mend the relationship with the emperor and even have his child again? This is a rather pointed question. Chen Huan pauses in her response. Shen Meizhuang even tries to step in, but is ruthlessly cut off by Tai Ho. Chen Huan responds slowly, cautiously. She says she understands now that the emperor is the ruler of an empire, not just her husband. She doesn't hate the emperor for what happened to her father, just the people who wrongly accused him. She left the palace because she thought the emperor had no feelings for her, but upon seeing that he went to visit her, she realizes that he still does have some feelings for her. Now she's back in the palace, she just wants to be a good concubine and serve the emperor. Look at that response. It hits every note that the empress dowager wants. It kind of says that she, um, Jin Huan was tired of living as a nun, and truly is now faithful to the emperor. She has suffered in her hardship and now wants to live in luxury, sort of, in the imperial harem. Tai Ho sighs, accepting her answer, and allows Chen Huan to stand, finally. She next playfully chides Shen Meizhuang for not reminding her, Tai Ho, to let Chen Huan stand, especially since Chen Huan's pregnant. We all know that Tai Ho wanted Jin Huan to kneel, but by saying this and playing the old senile woman card, Tai Ho is able to prevent eavesdroppers and Jin Huan from being overly upset at this scene. You could tell that the earlier conversation was indeed an interrogation. Tai Ho herself says she doesn't want another problem woman in the harem. After asking all of these questions and realizing that Jin Huan isn't back to cause trouble, isn't back for power, revenge, or wealth, her tone immediately softens. She also provides Jin Huan with a seat. Even though we know in reality that Jin Huan is here for revenge and wealth and to protect her family. Tai Ho even kindly says that Jin Huan's outfit is a little too bland now that she's a consort. Jin Huan responds that since she spent time as a nun, she doesn't like too much decoration. I thought this was hilarious because have you seen her? She is so elaborately down right now. Do you not see that eyeliner? Do you not see that smoky eye? How is this light on decoration? She's also more done up than some of the other consorts of the same title. So I have no idea what Tai Ho is referring to. Maybe she's a little bit less done up than Hua Fei, sure, but she still looks great. The conversation concludes with Tai Ho providing some clear words of advice. First, Chen Huan is to forget or pretend that her stint at the temple ever happened. Second, she asks Chen Huan to guide the emperor in harem matters so as not to cause more drama. These are all pretty reasonable. Lastly, she pointedly tells Chen Huan to respect Huang Ko, the empress. I thought this was pretty interesting. I'm not sure how much Tai Ho knows about how uh, much Huang Ho 
has sabotaged Jin Huan. But our Empress Dowager probably feels that Jin Huan is smart enough to see how malicious Huang Hou is. Jin Huan just says she is very grateful for everything that the Empress has done for her. And that's that. The episode ends with Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan leaving Taiho's palace, being carried in litters by eunuchs. As they are discussing Jin Huan's daughter, one of the eunuchs accidentally slips on the rocks in the road. That is so suspicious. Like, how does a eunuch just slip, especially carrying someone who is pregnant? They realize that it's only day two back in the palace, and someone already wants to... Um, sabotage or kill or whatever, do something to Jin Huan. Who is it? We'll find out in the next episode. Why do I like this episode so much? Because in one episode, we've spoken to what, like 50 million people and lots of scheming already happening. Yeah, that's why I skipped to 56 or episode 56 after episode 42. <laughs> All right, that was a recap for episode 56. I'm personally happy that Jin Huan is now back in the palace, ready to kick ass. We do feel sorry for the 17th prince as he sends his love back to be with his brother, but we wouldn't have such an interesting second half of the drama to enjoy. I mean, yes, Jin Huan had a good time, decent time the first time around, but oh man, it's time to, to, to take people down a few notches. There's not a whole lot of culture to discuss in this episode, but we want to highlight the dianzi. Dianzi, the literal translation is tin, but this is actually the hairstyle that Jin Huan now dons for the rest of the series. The dianzi is sort of like a net made with black velvet and satin over a copper, bronze, or silver frame. It is not a hat, it is just something to kind of hold the hair back, actually. Jin Huan isn't the first person in the series to don this hairstyle. When we first met Jing Fei, while she was still a Pin or an imperial concubine, she had this hairstyle. Look back at the first couple of episodes of this drama. Cao Qimo, an ally of Hua Fei, also had this hairstyle when she became also a Pin. It is a Manchu hairstyle that originated even before the founding of the Qing dynasty. Women often use pearls as ornaments. During the Qing Dynasty, styles changed and these dianzi became more and more extravagant with all sorts of new additions. Jade, gold, silver, and coral became common ornaments. There isn't one single style per se because so many women had so many different variations, which is why actually in all of these different dramas, you will see so many different styles. After doing some basic research, I found out that Jin Huan's hairstyle this episode is actually not historically accurate. Neither are most of the styles or the dianzi styles for the ladies in this drama. The dianzi is actually supposed to envelop the back of the head, and it's not supposed to be as far up on the crown of the head. Which is why if you look at pictures of true dianzi, the back part is actually where you will see most of the ornamentation not the front, as we see here. The women in the drama Yanxi Gonglue, or the story of Yanxi Palace, have more historically accurate hairstyles, but I think both K 
Karen and I prefer these types of hairstyles in this drama. So far in this drama, we have seen six women wear the Tianzi hairstyle. They include the Empress Dowager, the Empress, Jin Huan here, Jing Fei, Duan Fei, and Xiang Pin, who is Cao Xinmo before she died. In this drama, you could say that it is used to differentiate between the higher-ranked concubines in the Imperial Harem, but that, I think, also is more to character preference, or what fit the character more. For example, Hua Fei, who was the rank of consort, never used this type of hairstyle. I want to end this episode on a quick discussion about the Empress Dowager Tai Ho and her behavior this episode. Yes, I know we already went quite in depth earlier, but I just want to kind of finish off with a few thoughts. Jin Huan doesn't know the extent of the role the Empress Dowager played in helping her return to the palace, but we, the audience, do. The Empress Dowager's first priority is grandchildren. The Empress Dowager needs Jin Huan to birth a son. Currently, the Emperor, Yongzheng, has only three living sons, the third prince, the fourth prince, and the fifth prince. That's not a lot for any emperor. Of course, the Empress Dowager didn't agree to this simply because Jin Huan was pregnant. She also needed someone to balance the Empress's power in the Imperial Harem, like we've discussed in previous episodes. The Empress has killed too many of the Emperor's unborn children. The Empress Dowager, I think, thinks that if Jin Huan comes back, the Empress won't be spending all of her time trying to kill children. Remember, the Empress Dowager is not just some old lady. She is the Empress Dowager. That is why she put on this little show for Jin Huan in this episode. This encounter was a warning to Jin Huan. Play your part, don't get any crazy ideas, and you will live peacefully in the Imperial Harem. To us, the audience, this is also a reminder that as much as the Empress Dowager currently dislikes the Empress, they are from the same clan. The Empress Dowager, no matter what, will always prioritize the Empress over Jin Huan. Let's keep this in mind for future episodes. Well, that is all for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any comments or questions, email us, message us on Instagram, Twitter, on our website. Let us know. We will see you in the next episode.